Another win for Max Verstappen and Red Bull. And maybe, just maybe, the wrong strategy for Ferrari. Well, we'll go over that and a whole lot more in our Italian Grand Prix review from Monza, one that ended under a yellow flag, brought out all kinds of memories from last season. We're going to go over the race details. We'll give you our report card for all 10 teams. Plus, we'll discuss what can Formula One do about situations like we had on Sunday, one where everyone left unsatisfied when you want to see a race. It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Desiri. This is our Italian Grand Prix review, again, won by Max Verstappen. If you are a new listener, glad you're joining us and hope you'll subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And if you have have been listening to this podcast. I hope you'll do the same thing. Helps us grow the podcast. Just take a few seconds, just leave a quick review on it and it really helps the algorithm. So I keep asking because it does work and I've seen it grow over the last couple of episodes and last couple of years. I've seen this podcast grow. So we'd like to keep it going. So thank you all for your support. All right. So in talking about the 2022 Italian Grand Prix, Kind of four memorable things from this weekend. One, grid penalties made figuring out the running order after qualifying kind of a long process. Two, Nick DeVries took one race in a Williams to score points in Formula One for his career. Three, a yet another win for Max Verstappen, but it was his first at Monza as he continues to dominate this season. And the yellow flag problem that people want fixed, but don't really know how. So we're going to discuss all of these things coming up in this podcast. So let's take them one at a time a little bit here. First, the grid penalties kind of expected going into Monza. This is where a number of teams are going to take some engine upgrades if they need them. Many did. Uh, Yuki Sonoda, though, took a grid penalty because he got another reprimand for what happened to Zanvort when he drove with those loose safety belts, and that was enough to warrant a grid penalty for the start of the race. Charles Leclerc, though, started on pole position. George Russell was second, Lando Norris third. Now, Verstappen qualified second on Saturday, but he dropped five places to seventh. Lewis Hamilton started 19th. He also took a grid penalty. Carlos Sainz 18th, Sergio Perez 13th. So it took a while to sort this out, but in the end, we had the kind of a potential for an exciting race. Now, remember the last two winners at Monza, Pierre Gasly and Daniel Ricciardo, they were P4 and P5. This race over the last couple of years, just a handful of years, have given us surprising results. So would we get it again? Fernando Alonso, for example, was P6. But in reality, all eyes were on Verstappen, and rightfully so, because look, he won at Hungary from the 11th position. He won at Spa from 14th. Now, he was at seventh at the Temple of Speed, so surely he was going to be contending for this one, and he did, because it didn't take long before Verstappen was running up front. Charles Leclerc, though, had the lead of the race and had shown all weekend that Ferrari did have great pace at the home track. Two Ferrari drivers were best in free practice. One, Sainz led free practice. Two, Leclerc was just sort of Verstappen in free practice. Three, so... As for young Nick DeVries, the Dutch driver was filling in for Alex Almon, who was out with appendicitis. He started eighth. He lined up next to Verstappen, the fellow Dutchman, and he was fantastic. I mean, he really didn't do anything wrong. He was able to get in the points in his first run in Formula One. Now, that's been done before. That's not really new, and that's not super, super impressive. But, you know, it kind of is, especially if you're driving in a Williams, because think about it. Nicholas Latifi is always struggling in this car. And once DeVries crossed the line and got points in his first Grand Prix, well, let me just say this. The speculation really, really started on the future of Nicholas Latifi in Formula One. So when the Italian Grand Prix started, Leclerc was 
was able to get away up front and lead the pack. George Russell was behind him and Verstappen immediately, like he did at the, those two other Grand Prix that I had mentioned, started making his way up from seventh. He would soon be in third. And after five laps, he was in second and he had his sights set on the Ferrari up front. Now, I should say that Leclerc, Verstappen, and Russell, those were the top three at that point, and they were all on soft tires. Daniel Ricciardo was fourth. He was holding back a group of cars, all of them on mediums, except for DeVries, who was also on the softs. Sergio Perez came in early, had hot brakes that caught on fire. He went on the hard tires, was going to make up some ground once he left the pits in last place. 10 laps in, the car that was really on the move was Carlos Sainz. He moved up into the top 10 after starting 18th. On lap 12, Sebastian Vettel had to pull over, which brought out the yellow flag in sector two, and then it brought out the virtual safety car. That's when Ferrari decided to bring in the leader, Leclerc getting a set of mediums. Now, for many, this was a little early, right? I mean, they wanted to see how far you could get on the softs, but they brought him in, getting him on those sets of mediums, and Verstappen stayed out, took the race lead. When Leclerc came back out, as soon as he was coming back out, the race went green and he was 13 seconds behind Verstappen in third place as George Russell also stayed out. Leclerc was going to have to make those mediums go 40 laps if they were playing the one-stop strategy game if the race were to go green all the way through. We know now it did not, but that was the thinking at then, then that he was going to have to make mediums go 40 laps. George Russell pits on lap 24. He comes back out in fourth place. Verstappen is still on those softs. He's made them go 25 laps before he is brought in. Leclerc then retakes the lead, and he's got a 10-second lead at that point over Verstappen. Carlos Sainz was running in third on those mediums, making it a long first stint for him. He came in on lap 31 for soft tires. They would hope to get to the end of the race, which would be 53 laps around Monza. Now, Overall, this Grand Prix was not that thrilling. We had Verstappen tracking down Leclerc with 20 laps to go and knocking that interval down every single lap. By lap 34, he was right behind him. So Ferrari brought in Leclerc for one more soft set of tires. And the strategy was to see if they could catch Max later in the race as his medium tires would start to wear down. Lap 35, the gap from Verstappen to Leclerc is 19 and a half seconds. And there's 18 laps remaining in the Grand Prix. That's over a second a lap that Leclerc is going to have to knock out of Verstappen's lead. And he wasn't on pace to do that at all. Russell is two seconds, two and a half seconds behind Leclerc. So he's not getting a charge for second place by anybody. So his whole focus is to catch Max Verstappen. It's not to hold anybody off behind him. He's not going to get into tussle with anybody behind him. His whole goal is to catch Max. And he, he didn't he didn't have it. He really, really needed some giddy up. And he, he just didn't have it. Max was just the faster car. And any hope that the Tifosi had for some big overtake of the Red Bull was just dashed. They were not going to win this Grand Prix. Lap 47, though, Daniel Ricciardo suffers a power failure in between the Lesmo corners and the car is parked. Yellow came out and then they were going to send out the safety car. Um, they could not get his car in gear to remove it from the track. That brought in George Russell. That got him on soft tires in case they went 
screen for a lap or two. Leclerc was already on softs. Verstappen came in as well. He got a new set of softs. He was 21 seconds ahead of Leclerc before the safety car was coming out. And so it was a free stop for Verstappen. Leclerc got a fresh set of softs too, since he wasn't going to lose any places as well. So you have fresh tires on the top three, and there's a potential here to go green and maybe have a lap shootout, maybe two lap shootout, but you could start to sense that, ah, they're running out of time and they are running out of time. That safety car finally came out, but it was really too late to get any more racing done. And Verstappen won the Italian Grand Prix without any restart at all. So what was a potentially an exciting finish didn't materialize. Now I know the argument is going to be, Hey, look, Verstappen had such good pace on fresh softs. Who's going to really catch him? I mean, was, was Charles Leclerc or George Russell going to catch him? No, Russell, definitely not. Leclerc, maybe, but really unrealistic. Verstappen was that strong throughout the day. So Max Verstappen not only wins the Italian Grand Prix and Monza for the first time in his career, it's his 11th victory of the season, 30th of his career. So did Ferrari make the right call with Leclerc? Remember, there were two stops. It was one early with the safety car for Sebastian Vettel, and then there was the second one in which they sort of conceded the lead to Verstappen to try to get on softs to try to catch him to see if they could make something happen at the end. Now, given all of the problems that Ferrari has had this season, all of their mistakes, and you can list them all, Lord knows we've done that here on the podcast, it is easy to make them a target of criticism. But on this one, I'm going to say they did. Verstappen had the fastest car. There was no fighting them on the track. The only way they were going to win was on this strategy. If they had left Leclerc out on those mediums, Verstappen was going to catch and pass him and also leave him in the dust. Instead, Ferrari was hoping that the soft tires would cut into whatever lead that Max had. If another safety car came out, it would give Ferrari an edge on the fresher tires. It would force Red Bull to make a decision on whether or not they wanted to stop, stay out. In the end, though, it didn't matter. But that was kind of the thinking. But overall, there was really no stopping Max Verstappen here. And that's what we've seen all season long. This isn't an equal fight. No one is really coming at Red Bull or Max because he is so dominant. That's the difference between what we had this year and what we had last year. Last year, it was Verstappen winning, and then Hamilton would be making a charge. He'd win a couple of races. Verstappen would win races. Towards the end, it was all Hamilton until we got to Abu Dhabi as Hamilton cut into the world championship lead. Made for one of the great seasons of Formula One. This year, it's not so much that Max is winning, it's that he's making it look way too easy. This is the third race out of the last four Grand Prix in which he started off the lead, right? 11th, 14th, and 7th, in which he just overtook the field and won the Grand Prix. And again, the, the way this grid was set up, there just wasn't going to be cars ahead of Max Verstappen that could hold him back. I mean, Hamilton was behind him. Carlos Sainz was behind him. The only one he's going to really try to catch is Leclerc. Everybody else on the grid does not have ahead of him, does not have the car that can match him over 53 laps. Heck, they couldn't last him over two laps. He was that quick to get to the front. That's fine. That's fine from a front running team. But when Ferrari has to make these kind of decisions because they just don't have the pace, that's showing you the domination that Red Bull and uh, is having this year, especially over Ferrari, that felt like they had to make a decision like this because in the end, they couldn't race them on the track. All right, so we're going to get to the team reports. We're going to go over all 10 teams, and then we're going to discuss this safety car issue because I do think I want to I, I want to discuss this from a, a, from a larger perspective of whether or not Formula One needs to do something about 
safety cars towards the end of a Grand Prix? Do we want to see a racing finish? But first, let's go over the team reports. We'll go over all 10 of the teams in their day at Monza. And we're going to start with Red Bull. Verstappen, again, as I said earlier, just had the fastest car of the day. He was able to get up to the near the front very quickly. By the third lap, he was third already. He had the lead when Charles Leclerc pitted, and he was making his run towards him when Leclerc regained the lead after Max had changed some tires. Again, 11th race win of the year, fifth in a row. He was able to stay out of trouble early in that first chicane. That's tricky at Monza. Like, it, like if there was one thing you would worry about starting seventh is like, even if you have a faster car, you're trying to get through that first chicane clean, just like he did at, at, at the other racetracks where it's like, all right, I'm at spa. I want to get through the first La Source. I want to make sure I cut through that pretty easily hungry. I want to make sure I go through and uh, make sure I don't get tangled up with anybody's um, nonsense. So he kept himself clean and allowed him to start taking off and start picking off cars one by one relatively with, you know, with relative ease. Sergio Perez finished six. That's pretty good finish because again, he had some of that hot break issue, had to pit, they actually caught fire. Um, he felt like he could have done better, but a late safety car prevented him from making a run at Lewis Hamilton. So remember he came out last, but he made that, that, that run on the, on the tires go all the way. So again, Sergio Perez, a pretty good finish for six, given the circumstances of his car. As for Mercedes, George Russell, he's just collecting podium after podium, isn't he? And if he's not on the podium, it's another top five finish. Here's the deal, though. He's not good enough to win, but he's better than everybody else outside of Ferrari and Red Bull. They're basically five cars he's competing with. The two Red Bulls, the two Ferraris, and Lewis Hamilton. That's really it, right? Four of them have better cars for pace. He beats Hamilton, who finished fifth. Ferrari better be careful here because Mercedes is really coming. Uh, that's the P2 constructors race. Mercedes is only 35 points back with six races remaining. Two top five finishes is right where this team's expectations were for Monza and they got it. So they got Russell on the podium and then a fifth place finish for Hamilton. Ferrari, a podium finish in front of the Tifosi for Charles Leclerc. I mean, Outside of beating Max Verstappen, this is the best you're going to get. And it was great. I mean, that's that that ocean of red is something you want to see. And when they got a Ferrari on the podium, that's pretty good. I know everybody wanted to see them win, but let's all be realistic here. It wasn't their day. It hasn't been their day in, a, in quite a while. He obviously wanted the win, but no chance to really catch Max Verstappen. It just wasn't happening. He didn't have the pace to eat into the lead, said before the race that he didn't have great expectations with the car at Monza and said it was a nice surprise they got pole. So Carlos signs finish P4. He loved his day. He started 18th. So to make a run at George Russell for P3 until the safety car came out was a good day. Now, again, many will wonder if bringing Leclerc in on a two-stop strategy was the right call, but as I said earlier, this is just the one way you're going to beat Max Verstappen. You're not going to beat it leaving him out there and then hoping that you hold him off. That just wasn't going to be the case. I think this is this opened the door for the possibility of a late safety car could force Red Bull's hand it didn't quite work out that way. They did get the late safety car, but it was too late to do anything. But in the end, the, the, the what they wanted to see from Leclerc was get on those soft tires and go get him. Go cut that lead. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. It pretty much remained around 19, 20 seconds the whole way through. McLaren. Daniel Ricciardo's DNF brought out the safety car that eventually ended the race. He could have finished in the points, started fourth on the grid. He was holding back a lot of cars in that DRS train. So the leaders were up front. And then if you kind of watch the tracker, like I did, it was like three cars up front, Daniel Ricciardo holding everybody back, just kind of like Fernando Alonso did at Monaco. 
And that's just the way that goes when you get in that kind of DRS train. Lando Norris got a very poor start, had a clutch problem, was losing places. He had a P3 start on the grid. Um, he ended up finishing seventh. He had a long first stint, used the soft tires after the pit stop to get a good run going to finish at least in the points. Um, Alphatari, Pierre Gasly finishing eighth. Yuki Sonoda ran 14th. So the team did pick up some points. Now, Gasly said afterwards it was probably the best he could do Despite a P5 start on the grid, he was stuck behind Daniel Ricciardo for the first stint. He was passed by Lewis Hamilton and Lando Norris after a slow pit stop. Now, Sonoda, he hasn't scored in the points in his last 10 races. It's not coming up Yuki right now. It's it. There was excitement last year at the beginning of the season, but right now, Yuki Sonoda... He's in the news for the wrong reason, and I kind of don't like that for him. He, he, I know he's a he's a hothead sometimes behind that wheel, but I haven't met a driver that really isn't. Uh, but nevertheless, it hasn't been good news of late for Yuki Tsunoda. As for Alpine, a tough day for the team after getting some strong points over the last few races in their P4 battle with McLaren. Fernando Alonso had to retire the car with water pressure issue. He started sixth, was running in the top 10, even though the car was not as strong on the straights as they would like. Ocon finished 11th after starting 14th. He, he had some issues in traffic. A lot of drivers had some issues in traffic. They are 18 points ahead of McLaren for P4 in the Constructors. The non-points race was their first since the British Grand Prix. That ended a run of five straight races where both drivers finished in the points. So it's been a good run for Alpine. It just came away, um, you know, you know, empty for them on, on this day at Monza. Alfa Romeo. The team was able to get a point with Joe Guan Yu finishing in 10th place. Valtteri Botas, he finished outside the top 10, 13th to be exact, but he started near the back of the grid. And while he had some good pace, it wasn't going to be a day where you're going to be able to get up into the top 10 in his car. He had some contact and damage to his front wing that ended up just before he could get going again. For Zhou Guan Yu, this is his first point since Montreal. So good for him, at least getting in the top 10. Uh, Williams. All right, this is going to be fun. Nick DeVries was called into duty. He finished ninth as Alex Albon was out with that appendicitis, as I mentioned earlier. He started eighth, and he didn't do anything wrong all day. He earned driver of the day, and he did earn a reprimand for his tire warm-up under the safety car, but they decided nah, there wasn't going to be any more action on that. It was a great day for Nick DeVries. You could see it on the faces of all the other drivers how excited they were for Nick DeVries and his day at Monza. And oh boy, oh boy, did it kill Nicholas Latifi, who started 10th after all the grid penalties, and he ended up 15th. He had a slow pit stop. He was sandwiched in on that first turn, had some contact. I mean, he was just couldn't go anywhere, whatever. It had to kill him. That a rookie in his F1 debut ran in the points. And once again, he's in the back of the pack. The clock is ticking. I know he brings in money, but the clock is ticking on Nicholas Latifi. I'd actually be kind of sad. I never want to see anybody lose their ride and I, I won't be gleeful about it, but the time is coming. Williams wants to be competitive and they're not competitive with him. As long as he's in behind the wheel, they're not going to be competitive. Aston Martin, rough, rough day for the team. It's a double DNF, and it came where both drivers had good starting spots on the grid. Sebastian Vettel had to stop with an ERS issue. That brought out the, the virtual safety car. Stroll had to retire as well. Uh, the team uh, earned at least one point in the last four races, so this was a non-points day for them. For Vettel, it was his final run at Monza. He had won there three times in his career. Finally, we're going to wrap it up with Haas. Neither driver scored in the points. Mick Schumacher finishing 12th. Kevin Magnussen ran 
ran 16th. His day became difficult after running into Botas in turn one on the opening lap. Damaged his diffuser. He ran slow after that. Haas leading Alpha Tauri by one point for P7 in the constructor standings. You might want not want to go that far down for any sort of uh you know, thing to root for, but these things do matter. Um, they have gone five straight races now without a point. All right. So let's talk about the uh, issue of safety cars with no laps remaining. What can we do so that we can race under green? Well, is there a solution? Because this problem doesn't come up that often, but it's now been in the spotlight in two races in less than a year. 2021 Abu Dhabi, Sunday at the Italian Grand Prix. Every now and then it does pop up in critical races. Sebastian Vettel one year won the championship under a yellow flag. So it does pop up. And of course, there's always the possibility in every race that it will. So when you're talking about Abu Dhabi last year or Monza this year, the circumstances were the same towards the end. But of course, there were two way, way different results. So the rules were followed at Monza and that prevented us from getting a green flag finish. In the end, they just ran out of laps. Everybody wanted to race at the end. Everybody wanted to go green flag, but nobody, they couldn't. Um, that's the way it is. 53 laps were done and that's it. It's over. At Abu Dhabi, they bended the rules to get the race in with the correct amount of laps, but they manipulated, Michael Massey did anyway, to get a one-lap shootout. That's why famously Toto Wolff said, no, Michael, Michael, this isn't right. Because there was a belief that races ended one way and then Massey sort of flipped it a bit and that's where you get the controversial finish. Now, there are no extra laps like NASCAR. So if you're a new Formula One fan that loved NASCAR, just kind of getting into this, um, that's not the way this sport runs. NASCAR has no problems going into overtime. It had seen some problems with fans disliking the yellow flag finishes and decided to change it. And if they can get a green flag extra lap in, they will do that. But Formula One does not. Now, we all remember what happened, and Mercedes is still sore about Abu Dhabi, right? In fact, Total Wolf and Lewis Hamilton remarked about that season finale in their comments over the weekend of what happened at Monza. Finishing a race under a safety car, though, is a terrible balancing act for the race entities. That includes Formula One. I don't care if it's IndyCar, NASCAR, whatever. It's a very, very difficult balancing act. So as I mentioned earlier, NASCAR goes into overtime to prevent this from happening. On the one hand, you want to put on the best show you possibly can. You want for fans, sponsors, people who come and buy tickets, TV viewers, everybody involved. On the other hand, you have an obligation to sort of set the parameters of what constitutes a finished race. So in the case of the Italian Grand Prix, 53 laps, that's it. Who's ever in the lead after 53 laps, no matter how they cross the line, is the winner of that race. So if you want to do an overtime segment, that's fine. But you also run the risk of being a little bit gimmicky. Now, you might say, well, NASCAR does it. NASCAR has always been able to change the way they do things for the betterment of the show, right? They now have, for example, a 10-race playoff. They used to decide their champion, like everybody else, points all the way through the entire season, rewarding the consistency of the year. But now they've put more emphasis on wins, right? A win automatically gets you into the playoff. A win in the playoffs, if you're one of the playoff drivers, gets you advancing into the next round. And they also have no problem saying that our world champion may not be the most consistent driver of the year or the better driver of the year because they're following the American sports model, which the American sports model is you play a regular season to get to the playoff and then all bets are off. Anything can happen. 
right? The last team that gets in could be the world champion. The number one team in the field may not win it at all, right? So again, NASCAR has never had a problem with sort of changing the way they've done business because in the end, NASCAR wants the best show possible. They want excitement. They want people talking about it. They want it simplified. And I think also too, NASCAR has something here in the United States that they have to go up against every single time they get to the end of the season. And that's football, both college and NFL football. They are vying for attention in a dense, dense month of, of September, October, and November, where football, football, football is number one. I mean, even Major League Baseball that's crowning its world champion with playoffs in October has to fight the playoff demon. Now, Formula One is never going to get that gimmicky. Well, I shouldn't say never, but they don't show any signs of ever wanting to get that gimmicky. But they do have an issue because the same reasons that NASCAR was deciding to go to this overtime under, under yellow is the same issue that plagues Formula One. What do you do with fans, TV viewers, sponsors who feel like the weekend wasn't up to what their expectations were because the sport couldn't provide a, a good show. This is the thing that wasn't done. That race didn't finish under yellow because the track was undrivable. It was, didn't finish under yellow because of horrific weather that prevented the drivers and, and made them unsafe. It finished under yellow because that's what the rules were. There was plenty of opportunity to finish in another way, right? Because it was weather was nice. You cleared the track. Every driver is on the same page, but they're not going to change it at that moment. This is why Abu Dhabi is so controversial, right? Because whether you're a Verstappen fan or a Hamilton fan, the FIA said that Michael Massey last year made a human error in his decision to go green for that one lap at Abu Dhabi. It did not change the championship that followed, though. Max Verstappen won that day. He won the championship that day. They did not award it to Hamilton because of that mistake. Max Verstappen is the world champion because at least they, made, they said it was a human error, but the decision was final. My problem with Abu Dhabi was that if there was anywhere, if it was anywhere else in the world, at any other point on the calendar, the race would have ended under yellow. Hamilton would have won that race if it was the Spanish Grand Prix, if it was in round five, if it was in Miami, if it was in Austin, if it was in Australia in, in round three, if it was any other place in any other moment of the calendar, it would have followed the simple safety car rule. But because it was the last race of the season, because the world championship was on the line, because billion eyes were on it, Michael Massey felt like he could bend the rules to provide the best show he possibly could, knowing the attention was there. And they didn't want their spectacular season to end under yellow. At least that's Michael Massey's point of view. That was my problem. You don't change the NFL overtime rule at the Super Bowl, right? Whatever rule got you to the championship, you follow that rule even if people don't like it. We saw it in the NFL last year with the Chiefs and the Bills. People didn't like that Buffalo didn't get the ball in overtime. That was the rule at that moment. So guess what they did? They now have a different overtime rule where you can get a where you are going to get a possession. You're not going to be on the sidelines unable to get your shot in overtime to win a playoff game. They're not going to do it in the regular season, but they are going to do it in the playoffs. But Formula One doesn't work that way. There are no playoffs. 
And Abu Dhabi last year, because it was on the calendar, there was a level of importance to it because it was deciding the championship. But that wasn't a playoff or a championship race. We have many years where Abu Dhabi or whatever race is the last one on the calendar that hasn't decided the, decided the championship. The championship has been cited before they even get to that location. It's just that last year we had a fight to the finish. So Abu Dhabi fit more important than the Spanish Grand Prix or the Monte Carlo Grand Prix or the Miami Grand Prix or any other play. So now the question is, what's fair? What is fair when it comes to a race that happens to see its closing laps under yellow? Is it fair to add more laps when it goes beyond the agreed distance? 53 laps at Monza. Well, we're going to go 56 if it goes under, if it's under yellow at the end. Could you red flag the race start on the grid with a cold start? I think every single driver and every single team principal and everyone involved wants to see a green flag finish. They all have to be on the same page. Drivers should not feel cheated if they are passed on the extra laps or they get a bad start after a red flag start. Whatever it is, which, which is extra beyond the, the, the laps that were dictated to be the end of the Grand Prix, if they lose out in those extra laps or into those, seconds, those special circumstances, they can't complain because they all agreed that it would be best for the sport. Yellow flags finishes hurt your sport because it's basically the most anticlimactic way to end a sporting event. When you're a global sport where people around the world, they wake up at all hours in the mornings, they stay up late. You want to give them entertainment that they desire. You cannot promise them a good race or something even exciting. That's what I tell new fans to formula one all the time. If you jumped in in 2021 Thanks for jumping in, but don't expect every year to be like that. If you watched some of the exciting Grand Prix that we had to start this season, thank you, but we don't always get that. A lot of races are boring. I have woken up for years to boring races, and I've woken up to exciting races. That's auto racing in general. I don't care what entity you follow. So they can't promise you a good race. They can't promise you exciting things in the race. Sometimes Max Verstappen wins by 18 seconds. Sometimes Lewis Hamilton has the championship wrapped up with two races remaining. But they should be able to promise a green flag finish. They should be able to provide you that. So I wonder where this is going to go. One of the problems with this issue is it's not an, a new one. It may be newer given the circumstances of last year's world championship. And it kind of brought it out into the forefront a little more than other Grand Prix have done in the past, given its controversial finish at Abu Dhabi. And now we have this finish at the Italian Grand Prix, but this is not a new topic to anyone involved in racing. This isn't a new issue. People have been discussing whether or not yellow flag finishes are appropriate for the sport for a long, long time. But my advice to Formula One would be simple. This may not be an issue for fans around the world, but going on social media, it kind of was. I mean, I, I saw a lot of people from all sorts of countries saying it was. Not everybody was just, well, that's Formula One for you. You know, that's the way it happens. That's the most fair way to end a race. Saw a lot of complaints. But in the United States, if you want to increase your footprint in the United States, figure it out. Because Americans are starting to get into the sport in a level I haven't seen in a very, very long time, if at all. But I will tell you this. 
If you produce races, Grand Prix, where you are asking the American public to wake up at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., whatever it is, to watch these races, and you give them a bunch of parade of cars under a yellow flag, even if it's that sort of the acceptable thing in racing, new fans will jump off that ship. That's what NASCAR was seeing. That's why NASCAR went into overtime. They saw people paying big money for tickets and then leaving massively disappointed. My son and I are going to the U.S. Grand Prix in October. Now, I, I know those tickets are hugely expensive. If you went for a weekend down in Austin or Miami or Las Vegas, you see tickets for Las Vegas, for example, you're not going to want to see a bunch of cars crossing the finish line in slow motion under a yellow flag behind a safety car. So whether it is a extra lap ordeal or um, red flag it and start fresh on the grid, I don't care. Let's see if we, let's see if formula one will do something in the next couple of years to solve this issue. Cause I don't even think the team principal is pretty happy after leaving Monza. All right. So after a triple header of racing, it is a good break before we go to Singapore. But remember we were supposed to have the Russian Grand Prix, uh, but that obviously got canceled given the world circumstances. So that was supposed to be within this gap. They never replaced it. They just simply canceled it off the calendar. So it'll be a while before we go to Singapore and we will have a preview of that race coming up so keep your eye on that in fact this podcast it'll be the first time we've discussed the singapore grand prix because we haven't run that since 2019 so that'll be interesting we'll talk all about that street circuit in singapore so be on the lookout for that if you'd like to reach me i'm on twitter at tony d radio you can email the show tony d radio show at yahoo.com and i really appreciate you all listening in and again leave me a note leave me a five-star review if you like what you're doing and if you don't like what we're doing well i still appreciate you listening to it anyway Anyway, I'm Tony Dazeri, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast.